Hey, it's Jed Hearn, host of Wizards, Warriors, and Words. If you're enjoying the writing advice on this show, you might like my new podcast, The Jed Hearn Show, where every week I share the best fantasy writing advice that I've learned from publishing three fantasy novels and a best-selling video game. There's over 12 episodes that you can listen to right away, including my top 10 fantasy books of all time, how to make fantasy names that don't suck, two rules that make writing effortless, and my complete summaries of Brandon Sanderson's and Neil Gaiman's writing classes, and much more. Check it out by searching for The Jed Hearn Show in your podcast app. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Wizards, Warriors and Words, a fantasy writing advice podcast. My name is Jed Hearn, author of Across the Broken Stars, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, starting with Dirk. I'm Dirk Ashton, author of the Paternus Trilogy, um, and the real fact is Anthony Ryan writes all my books. It's the only reason they're halfway decent. <laughs> uh, Mike. Michael <laughs> uh, Fletcher, author of Blackstone Heart and Stuff. And we are joined again by the wonderful Anthony Ryan. Anthony, welcome back to the show. Hello, I'm Anthony Ryan, author of the Raven Shadow Trilogy, Draconis Memoria Trilogy, uh, Raven's Blade Duology, and the uh, upcoming uh, Covenant of Steel Trilogy, which begins with the Pariah. Awesome. Uh, and I believe, Mike, you wanted to kick off the discussions this episode with some questions. Yeah, you were, um, so I, I, I'm curious, like, how... The Pariah felt like something clicked, uh, like for you as a writer. Somehow it was, um, and I, I don't, I'm not good at a sort of a picking stuff apart and understanding what's going on. It just felt different uh, and read a little different than um, than some of the previous stuff I've uh, I've read from you. Like, what was there something that that really clicked for you? Was it the story? Was it a decision to like, uh, you know, was it the point of view that just sort of really worked? Like, what? What sort of triggered that book for you? What what, what pulled you, uh, I guess, along that path? Um, it's one of those things when I'm writing, anything I'm writing, the experience of writing, it doesn't feel that different from writing anything else ever in. Um, it's always, you know, just working at it there. Come up with something worthwhile at the end of it. Um, I think with this, uh, hadn't written a full length, really, anything more than 50,000 words from a first-person point of view before. And there's something about inhabiting 
you know, just one character's point of view for that length of time. I mean, this is a, I think book one of this is, the Parai is about uh, 190,000 words or something. Uh, so, you know, it's a reasonably long book. Um, and I think there's, yeah, I think getting in it with one character's head for that length of time is, uh, it's an interesting exercise. Um, and I think there's something about it, if you can do it right, will be compelling for the reader. Uh, it's a tricky line to walk because Alwyn, my main character, is not always sympathetic. He's not quite an anti-hero. He's certainly not a villain, but he's not always heroic either. And it's trying to come up with a, you know, a life for him that was where people wouldn't run in horror from what a terrible human being he was. Uh, you know, still retain some sympathy for him, whilst also the fact that, you know, he can be a bit of a bastard and he can you know, do terrible things from time to time. Uh, and I think because he's not automatically heroic and because he's, it's, there's a lot of grey area in it, the line between good guy and bad guy is it's constantly shifting. Uh, I think it, in this book, it's the first time I've done that where it's, it's been that grey, you know, that morally grey. Uh, maybe that was, you know, what made it uh, more encapsulate people, maybe. Cool. Yeah, whatever it is, it worked. I mean, first person, first person can be really difficult. Uh, I know, like the first time I, I tried to write uh, first person, I bombed, but it was so terrible. Uh, there's, there's I a. It, I don't find it that difficult. Uh, I don't really feel it any more difficult. Feel it to be any more difficult than writing third person. Where, what does trip me up when I a few times I've tried it. I've never published anything in it, but it's present tense. Mm. Uh, tenses seem to trip me up more than point of view. You know, I don't know why, but it's one of those things. I definitely yeah, feel that it is harder to kind of work your head around. Yeah, present tense was, I guess, but just because like we don't read many books that are present tense usually. So whereas there's probably a, a fairly even split between first and and third uh, point of views. Although in fantasy, it generally does tend to skew towards more. The third person just because you have such a, a huge cast and everything yeah hmm. mike what yeah, else was it oh sorry you, you go uh no i was just gonna say at present tense i found like amazing for battle scenes fight scenes yes. stuff like that <laughs> present was amazing for that and then kind of shitty for basically everything else uh like the ghost of tomorrow the very first draft of that was a present tense uh and you know the huge mech battle scenes were really worked well and the rest of it didn't work at all <laughs> and then when i rewrote the whole thing as a th you know third uh past tense everything else clicked and the book became overall stronger and the fight scenes kind of just lost something you know <laughs> they became like they lost some pop there i think if it's done well the reader tends to forget that it's in present tense, you know, they, yeah. or they don't remember it in present tense. I think Chuck Wendig, doesn't he write everything in present tense? Uh, most things? I think so. I haven't read anything yeah. by him, but yeah. I feel I read, that he does. I read uh, Black, Blackbird. Is yeah. his first? Yeah. Um, I read that, and I can't, you know, to tell you the truth, I can't remember. You know, because yeah. I, write, I write in present tense, or I did for Paternus, and, and, you know, people either, people either, um, just read it and they like it because they've read, you know, The Martian or not The Martian. Uh, they've read Red, Red Rising and um, 
Hunger Games and, you know, they grew up yeah. reading some some more YA kind of stuff. And a lot of that is present tense. So they it doesn't bother them or they bounce hard and they're like, oh, it's an atrocity, you know, <laughs> atrocity to literature it should be outlawed. Um, or I, I do get a lot of like, oh, I didn't I didn't realize it was even in present tense. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, um, it's 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 interesting how that how that divide goes. One of the things I wanted to ask you, Anthony, this is a bit of a hard tangent, but um, I think it's it's sort of relevant to what, what Mike was saying before. Um, one of the things that I really appreciated about Blood Song, and this is this is me geeking out here a bit, was how it's a story where you're following the main characters over a, a large span of their life, um, and I was just wondering what your sort of approach and and thoughts are on this technique of, of covering multiple years, uh, you know, or, or sometimes I guess even decades in a character's life. Um, what is some of the things that you need to consider for that? And what do you think is some of the potential pitfalls that can happen when authors do that? And some of the, the tips you would give for authors who are also trying to write books where it is covering, yeah, this big span of years. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm blanking on who said this, but it's, didn't somebody say fiction is life with the boring bits taken out? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, when you're writing a multi-year narrative about characters, you start them young and then they grow up. Um, you can't describe every single event of their life. You simply can't. Uh, otherwise, it'd be the longest and most boring book in history. Uh, so you have to concentrate on the, the principal events of their life. Uh, how old were they when they first, you know, in Balin's case in Blood Song, how old was he when he first killed someone? Uh, how old was he when he first lost a friend, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so you concentrate on the major events and you have to find a way of shorthanding what happened in between. And I kind of made it easy for myself in Blood Song because it has a structure. The first half of the book is structured around their tests in the House of the Sixth Order. You have to pass all of these different tests in order to become brothers of the Sixth Order. And having a structure like that uh, really did me a lot of favours in terms of propelling the narrative forward. They do this test and it's on the next one, and, on it, and that keeps the reader interested and keeps the narrative focused on these individual tasks. Uh, you, if you've read it, you'll know that halfway through the, that sort of accelerated timeline stops and it becomes much more of a day-to-day -day narrative rather than a you know, month-by-month -month or year-by-year narrative. Uh, so, yeah, that would be my tip is find a structure that propels a narrative forward uh, rather than trying to describe every single day of someone's life. That's, you know, it's not going to work. And I think the other thing, thing I see novice writers do, which is, I think, a mistake, and frankly, I think it comes from what I call uh, Dungeons and Dragons-itis, uh, is people describing every step of a journey, every corner they turn when they're traipsing through some dungeons or catacombs or wandering around the forest or something, you don't need to do that, you know. Uh, I remember there was a book I edited for someone and uh, they had a 20-page description of someone stabling a horse. <laughs> this, is towards, this is towards the end of the book. Yeah. Where, where, you know, Deadly. there's 20 pages of them stabling a horse and then they'd go off, have a two-page conversation, come back and get the horse. Uh, it's like, no, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, we've all done that as novice writers, you know, not, mm -hmm. 
uh, criticizing people who are new, you make these mistakes and you learn from them. And I think it's, that's a pitfall of the modern age with, with self-publishing. You know, if I published my first finished novel, self-published it, it was a pile of crap. I mean, it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. But at the time, as a 22-year-old, I might well have put it out. If the Kindle store had been there, I might well have put it out. Um, you know, suffered <laughs> mass humiliation if anyone had bothered to read it, and I doubt they would. Uh, so, yeah, I think, you know, don't, don't underestimate the power of editing. Uh, and self-editing is, is part of editing, I guess. Yeah, it's, you know, it's okay to make those mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody, I think a lot of, a lot of new authors get paralyzed uh, before they even start or they get started and they don't finish because they think they have to do all those things right in that first draft of that first book, right? Oh, yeah. And I know that's, that's a real thing. And the, of time the fact is spend. just, just write, just, just, just write and you, you'll make the mistakes, but you'll learn from them, you'll fix them. Sometimes you can fix that first manuscript, right? And sometimes you just can't, it's just, you need to move on to something, yeah. to something new, but it's okay. It's okay to do that. You just have to keep writing. And also the amount of growth that I know I personally experienced going from that first book, which I worked on for however many years it was through to the second novel is huge. Cause when you're just incrementally trying to improve the first book over and over again, and you're just drafting it over and over again, it doesn't, it can feel like you're not making a lot of progress, but as soon as you go on to the next book, you're going to be starting from such a further position out of the starting yeah. box on that book because of the skills you've learned from the first try through you know, the mistakes that you made in that, you're going to be able to avoid them. And sometimes it is just easier, yeah, going to a clean, fresh start and being able to go again without any of those scenes that you maybe really like that don't actually serve the story particularly well. So yeah, definitely back the idea of, if your first book is amazing, by all means, publish it. <laughs> but there is uh, definitely something to be said for treating that first book just as a practice that's, you know, to see if you like this whole writing thing, to see what fun you can have with it. And then you know, the second or third book is where I uh, see if you see if you even work. see if you even enjoy it. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I mean, I know I know, Mike, you even fairly recently have put manuscripts aside and then and then gone back to them later. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Then, you know, and that, then that pisses me off to no end because it takes you forever to write my books. <laughs> 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 yeah I, I i you know i, I think uh, writing a bad book is probably a better learning experience than reading about writing books mm. so oh, many people like they're always i see it all the time on you know facebook twitter people asking like oh what what books on writing should i read and i'm kind of like none of them don't like don't don't read any of that shit go write your books do it badly then read some of those books yes yeah, i think it's both it I, think it's I think but yeah. i mean honestly yeah. I never. Uh, I, I think you should blunder. Anthony, blunder are there any particular books yeah. on writing that you do recommend? There are, two, there are two that I think are really good and worth reading. But I do agree, you don't need to read them. You can learn. To, you learn to write by writing. Yeah. Uh, what I find craft books or writing books are useful for is inspiration. They mm. sort of cheer you up. You know, they propel you forward. Give you that motivation. Think, you know, the, the obvious cliched answer is on writing by Stephen King, mm. uh, which is both a memoir and a, you know, how to write a book. 
And uh, I think the other one is David Morell's book. Uh, I hope I'm getting the title right. It's uh, uh, The Working Novelist or, or The hmm. Successful Novelist or something like that. Okay. Uh, David, David Morell being the author of Rambo, right? Yeah. Uh, first Blood, which yeah. was the first Rambo incarnation. Yeah. What they did with him in the movies is not yeah. the character. <laughs> no. It's very different. Yeah, I think I read that. Yeah. that boy, I think I read that in college. Huh. In the like the thousands and thousands of years ago. In the 1800, <laughs> yeah. Back when the, there was no color in the world. Oh, also, Anthony, that quote you were saying before about how stories are life with the dull bits cut out. I believe yeah. it comes from Alfred Hitchcock, who says, What is drama but life with the dull bits yeah. cut out? Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, sorry, I just wanted to flag back to that because I think that's a great principle for writing these really long stories and particularly fantasy where susceptible to you know writing many many pages about songs or banquets that most people don't care about so mm -hmm. it's good to you know cut that stuff out if it's not exciting um George. yeah <laughs> George uh judges other things good so those are the two books that you would sort of recommend Anthony the uh, on writing uh, and they're the two that spring to mind yeah mm. um Okay, I'll find think of any others, but yeah, I, I don't I don't want to put people off reading the craft books, wine craft books, you know, while you're in, but as has been said, you you learn to write by writing. It's a learn yeah. by doing thing. Yeah. I know people go on these what they call them the uh master of arts writing courses and all that. I mean like I've never done courses and that sort of thing. Yeah, I've never had a writing class in my life. Uh but if it helps, it helps, you know, wherever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, I think that's a, a good approach to it. But yeah, you like, you can have writing advice books in there or you can not. But the thing that you definitely have to have is actually writing. That is yeah. a non negotiable. <laughs> um, and then probably also reading, you know, widely in your genre and also without of it, uh, outside of it for yeah. inspiration too. Those are probably the, the two big things. Um, as we close this episode out, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about your writing process uh, and maybe how that's evolved over the years. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's evolved a bit in that uh, I'm much more, I've got a much more structured day these days. Um, I, these days I track my progress. I have a, well, here it is, my notebook. Uh, with, I've got the time I start, the time I end, and how many words I wrote. Uh -huh. uh, but I've done about 350 today, so, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I find just the ritual of doing that every time I sit down helps to get me into the mindset. It's, I think, uh, writing consistently is about establishing habits. Yes. As human beings, we are habit-forming animals. Um, we form good habits and bad habits. In bad habits, we get addicted to things. Uh, good habits are coming up with a you know a way to consistently write every day. Uh, I mean, I do write every day when I'm working on something. I don't, you know, when I'm not, when I've stopped, finished a book, I'll have a break. Uh, but when I'm actually working on something, I will write every day. And I track my progress. And I, yeah, I'm the kind of person who, I never met a spreadsheet I didn't like. So, <laughs> me too, me too. Yeah. But spreadsheets yeah. of word counts for all of my books. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It is useful because it, it tells you how long, how long it takes you to write a book, basically. And if you need to speed up to meet a deadline, it tells you how many more hours a day you need to meet. Yep. So, yeah, I think tracking my progress is the biggest uh, biggest change I've made over the last couple of years. 
are you an outliner or a pantser? Do you think or uh, somewhere in between? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do a chapter by chapter outline, and I find that actually the I wouldn't say painful, but the most difficult part of the process. But I find I feel I have to do it because. Uh, one of my problems when I was starting out was not finishing. Mm -hmm. um, I think a, a skill you have to learn as a writer is to learn to finish. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it was my biggest problem was starting things and not finishing. And it was, I wasn't finishing because I didn't know where it was going. And having an outline gives me the security of knowing where I'm going, even though I might not change it. And I, every outline I've ever written, it always changes. You know, I will quite happily throw it out and do something else because... Yep. In every case, when, I, when I'm actually writing, a better idea will occur. Yep. Yes. Uh, as the story yep. develops, you know. So okay. I think I will outline, but I'm quite happy to throw it away when the time comes. That's exactly the way the way I write. I can't, like Mike is a pantser, totally. And I, I would lose my mind if I didn't know what I was supposed to write yeah. next. These, I just, I just like Mike. Yeah, you're, you're outlining more a little bit. Yeah, I tend, these days I'm, I outline the next three chapters mm -hmm. so I'll, I'll plan three chapters write them then i stop plan out the next three chapters like in pretty good detail write uh -huh. those and so I'm, I'm usually just i try and stay like roughly three chapters ahead of yeah. where i am and yeah. i usually know the end of the book kind of before i start writing right um so the like how the fuck i get there that's the mystery yeah. well you know i i always say i have i'm gonna have to come clean i always say that i'm a big outliner but all of my books, even though they're outlined, and I find the process actually really kind of some of the most fun when I when it comes to, it's like Hitchcock again, he talks about, yeah, writing the script and planning it is the fun part, the shooting it is drudgery. <laughs> um, the, the, the planning it out um, is, is and doing the research, you know, because I'm such a nerd about research, um, is, is kind of really exciting to me. And the writing can be fun. And it's become more fun as I go along because I've gotten better at just kind of making shit up as I go. But um, uh, I've never outlined the entire book because I've never Ooh. really known where it was gonna end. So sometimes I'll get uh, at, at most a little past half. Um, well, no, it's sometimes a little under three quarters, but then I really don't know. And actually, except for my book three, I did not have any idea uh, until long into the process exactly where I was going to end my book one or my book two. Because um, like, I mean, like Anthony was saying, I'm, I'm happy to throw out and, and just stop writing and just re-outline for a while if, if it's just not, doesn't seem to be working or an idea comes or something would be, would be better. Um, and that's just what works for me. But yeah, I don't know every scene to the end ever. Um, except for it, I did, I did know the end and what was leading up to the end in my book three, but I didn't really know what was going to happen, obviously, because I thought it was going to be maybe a 180,000 word book and it turned out to be 235. So I obviously didn't know some things. <laughs> it's quite rude when your, your books become 50 <laughs> something more I, than you're expecting. Something I experimented with, because I'm working on something on spec at the moment, which means I'm not contracted for it. Uh, but I managed to carve out some time for, you know, a short, uh, what I'm calling a, a 
apocalyptic horror sort of novel. Yeah. Um, one thing I experimented with this was a kind of uh, dialogue-only outline or dialogue-heavy outline. We've heard about this before. Yeah, minimal description, and you just get the characters talking. Mm -hmm. uh, and to be honest, well, now, now I'm actually writing it, I'm throwing away a lot of that dialogue that <laughs> <laughs> in the outline, but it, it's, I still find it useful. Some of it mm. is still in, you know, and there's a way of structuring a story. I don't think it's actually that bad of a thing. I probably won't do it to that extent again. Uh, I'll probably employ it more when I go forward with my next full-length book, you know. So the, um, essentially, you're, oh, essentially for that, you're just writing the first draft just with dialogue and then you're going back in and filling in setting descriptions. Yeah, it's, well, it's a chapter by chapter outline mm -hmm. with very brief scene description, if, if any at all, but it's just the characters. Because there was a limited number of characters in this, the way the story works is yeah. a set list of characters. And getting them talking... Uh, in the outline was, you know, how I went about structuring it and trying to propel the narrative, you know, with what they say to each other rather than just, you know, just description. Uh, I think it's a, it's a way of fleshing it out. I think, I can't remember where I got the idea from, but I know James Elroy does a very dialogue intensive outline, where his outlines are more like books in themselves, apparently, where, you know, the outline for his last book was 400 pages. Wow. <laughs> Turned it into a novel, you know. Yeah. So. Have to turn it down to make a novel out of that. Yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about that, but I, I, always, I always say that I won't do that, but I do, uh, my outlines have a lot of dialogue in them. Um, and then points, like coming from the film background, um, I, every scene needs to introduce something new. Uh, a new piece of information, uh, maybe a new a new attitude or something learned by the characters. Um, uh, it, it can't just be like you were talking about, Anthony, getting from point A to point B. Um, something in there, uh, a growth between a relationship between characters, something. And it, it can be something really small, but it's got to be something new. So I'll put that down. And of course, how does that stuff get revealed through um, through dialogue? So I'll start how, you know, I'll start going and sometimes they will get pretty, pretty involved. But that and um, introducing new information and um, a dramatic, a key dramatic point. Um, that doesn't have to be in every chapter but those will come out. And a lot of times those come out in how I uh, write down the reaction of the characters or what they say about it uh, to, to, to whatever, whatever happens. So those things do come out, uh, I guess, yeah. quite a bit. Seems like my, a good way to end up with a fairly like, character driven story. Yeah. If yeah. you're sort of, you're basing it yeah. on, on dialogue. I mean, that's very much, that's gonna be a character building. Yeah, cool. I go character. I mean, I'm 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 in the characters are number one camp, um, because if I, I I've read some amazing stories, but if I'm not really if I'm not really feeling it with with at least one or two of the characters, I can't really really enjoy a book, um, no matter how great the plotting story or action might be. So I really try to. Uh, I don't know that I try, but I just it just feels right to me. Um, do you work? What 
like, you know, people talk about world building, action, plot, story, or character, which is the most important, right? Um, do you have a particular view on that, Anthony, when you work? Um, I don't see it as a balancing act. It's the same uh, plot and character are the same thing for me. Yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah, me too. To, yeah, and I think that's a mistake people make is seeing them as separate. Don't, they're, the, yeah. they're the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and when I start, I mean, I have two rules before I start a book. Uh, before I start outlining a book is, I have to hear the characters talking to each other and I have to have an ending. I won't start until I've got both of those things. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, yeah, yeah, I think if you start seeing, you know, character and stories as balancing act and it's, uh, I just don't think that works. They have to be, you know, together, you know, as, as a cohesive whole for me. Anyway. Yeah, the character is the story, really. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's a really good piece of advice. What are the what? Do, what would you say, Anthony? As we close out this episode, is your like is the best piece of writing advice that you've heard or learnt over the years? Obviously, it's extremely difficult and sort of pointless to reduce writing down to just like a one sentence snippet. But if you did have to kind of isolate the things that you've learned over the years down to the single best piece um, of advice, what would that be? Well, avoiding most of the cliches, but I think it's uh, was it Annie Pro who said it. Um, also of the shipping news, uh, I can edit a bad page, but I can't edit a blank one. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and I think yeah. as, you know, for one line yeah. of writing advice, that's very hard. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's, and again, that comes down to just write. You, you got to keep writing. Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. All right, well, that's been uh, another really good episode. Uh, got some quick shout outs for our new patrons. So. If you're not familiar, Patreon is a way that you can uh, provide a small monthly donation to support the show if you're enjoying it. And in exchange for that, you can get cool rewards like free advanced reader copies of our new books, uh, editorial feedback, and ad-free versions of the show. So we've got a, quite a few new patrons, which I need to shout out. So thank you, uh, John, Dylan, Daniel, Steve, and Tom for supporting us on Patreon. Wow. Um, really appreciate it. Uh, what is wrong yeah. with what is wrong with you people? Yeah, I know. Why why do you pay money to listen to this? <laughs> um, so yeah, very much appreciate you guys. Uh, thank you for supporting us on Patreon. I think we're up to about like 17 patrons at this stage. Wow. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, so if you want to support us on Patreon, uh, just head over to www.patreon.com forward slash wizards warriors words. The link to that is also in the show notes um and also if you're listening to this podcast and you're not already subscribed feel free to do that we have new episodes come out every monday um so and also also shout out to our high tier patreon uh daniel henderson as well so anthony thank you for coming on the show we really appreciate it it's been great to talk with you um you've provided us with some excellent quotes from esteemed writers which i shall be writing down on my index cards over here shortly after this episode ends um, do you have any last final things you would like to say to our audience? Uh, anything of that nature? Uh, no, just uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for reading. Good Bye, Pariah. Bye, Pariah. Yes. <laughs> Bye, the Pariah. <laughs> if you don't want to do your marketing, Dirk, we'll do it for you. Um, <laughs> and Mike has it in the background of his, of his set there as well. So that's nice. Great. Okay. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening or watching to the show. Uh, and we will see you next time. Bye, everybody. Ciao.